Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. Coming in, settling in. Now, as a matter of forewarning, I'll have a very long introduction this morning that's going to lead to a very concise message outline. Okay? Um, I won't be too long once I get to that outline, um, but it'll take a little while to get there. Uh, You know, we've been going through chapter by chapter in Romans for several reasons. Um, I'm doing a lot of repeating because this will just keep ingraining things into you. Brother Mike does that on a continual basis, just not to add words to things, but to continually just help sink things in so we can remember things. Uh, this book, along with the book of John, was a, is a common miniature set of New Testament scriptures that have been printed with the main purpose of evangelism. The book of John is... A book about the heart, you might say. Uh, John the Beloved was the human instrument that contains his stated purpose in John chapter 20, verse 30. And many other signs, truly, did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Surely Paul speaks to the heart as does John, but his appeal to the heart is, seems to be much through logic, teaching, and instruction that begins with our mind and, and how we think. Now, a great difference in these two books is this. The book of John is primarily pre-resurrection. It is one of the Gospels tracking the time through the Jewish feasts and Passovers. It's very story-driven. That's how I remember John. When I think of the book of John, I think of these stories that that happen. Um, It's very relational in content, and it looks to Christ, uh, for the most part, in the present time. He's he's walking with Christ, telling the story of of His presence there. Whereas the book of Romans is is primarily post-resurrection, It is Christ in the church. It peers to the past. It institutes the present. And it obliges us to the future. So the study of these two books would be very beneficial study for us concerning evangelism. If you wanted to take a good, strong study on those books, it would be uh, very good in the case that you have an opportunity to talk to somebody, to witness to somebody. Now, we studied the book of John somewhat recently, and I felt led to teach and preach through the book of Romans, not only for evangelistic purposes, but also to study through this book, Paul himself, that we become more familiar with his writings, who's responsible for approximately half of the New Testament books. God saw fit to clearly identify Paul as the writer of many of these books. I believe one of the purposes is to understand, to help us understand the writer. That there is continuity and consistency in the writings, true to the character and personality of Paul. To get to know Paul is a clear path to the interpretation of his writings. Let me put it this way. Suppose we received a letter from the address of a certain family 
and it contained a message that was questionable in its interpretation. But if we knew which individual wrote it in the family, we might have a much better understanding of what is really being communicated. Like, oh, that was, so, he's just joking. Oh, so, they mean business. You understand kind of what I'm saying here when I'm getting at, you know, we probably don't think about that much, but uh, learn to understand Paul. And when we go through his writings, you'll see some of the consistency, so we don't just get thrown off into, into crazy doctrine uh, areas. Now, we've also been outlining the book of Romans to help us better catalog what is being said within the context. Romans chapter 1 through 8, we labeled as doctrine in nature, teaching in nature. Chapters 9 and 11, we called dispensational, uh, referring to chapter 9, the past of Israel, chapter 10, the present of Israel, and chapter 11, the future of Israel. Now, chapter 12 through 16 is about the duty of a Christian. Kind of puts it down on the ground floor then what is expected of us as Christians? This week we'll begin the duty section of Romans in chapter 12. Now if you're able, let's stand together, give you a break, get you stretched out. We're going to read through this chapter together. Romans chapter 12 beginning in verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what it, that is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let it do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, of saints given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate, be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You may be seated. Last week, um, Brother Dave Follett was here, and after the message... 
uh, he made a comment to me. He said, whoa, you know, chapter 11 of Romans, that's pretty, pretty tough to, to preach out of. And, uh, you know, it's a difficult portion of Scripture. Um, and that he mentioned, well, you'll be glad to get into 12 where it's the practical, more the practical teaching and so forth and, uh, and more straightforward as application as the duty uh, for a Christian. You know, he's correct in that the Lord uses Paul to give us directives that are, I would say, much easier to understand than some of the deep, hard to, and I would say, if not impossible to, understand God's great wisdom and the workings of God with mankind. However, I found that this chapter of Christian duty, chapter 12, is so full of directives. As I read it, I, I mean, I could stop at just about any spot and, and, and have a message, you know, from a, just a single line in a verse. <laughs> I was overwhelmed. How do you, and my goal is, is to, is to preach the entire chapter in a sense today. Um, so what, what I found peace to do was, is to do a quick overrun of the chapter, dividing it into some sections and briefly, briefly touching on the specifics of those sections, but then make the emphasis of the message focusing on the first two verses alone. So let's begin with verses three through five, of which I will entitle these, this little section here, Proper Self Esteem. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. You know, we have a tendency in society to put people up. <laughs> uh, you know, whether it's a sports figure, or whether it was this leader or that leader or, or, or whatever it is, we, we kind of have those, those tendencies. There's only one that's worthy of putting, putting up, and uh, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And, but we have these, these tendencies, but we're not to be like that. We are all equal here. You know, sometimes in churches I see where, and it's a failure of people, don't do this, is to really put up the pastor and put him up on a pedestal. You do yourself no good, you do him no good. All he wants you, if he's a good pastor, all he wants you to do is put the Lord Jesus Christ up in your life. And to try to be the best example he can uh, to do in that, that, that's it. We, we're all on equal ground. But we do have different positions. And we kind of heard this morning, you know, you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all one. They're all equal, but yet they have positions. And it seems like that's how God has created us. We're, we're equal amongst each other and we have respect one toward another, though there is positional things that we respect. And that's all of God's doing. It's not of any man's doing. And it gets into that into the next portion of Scripture, verses 6 through 8, which deals with the individuality that, of those God-given gifts. 
and the unique inspiration required to manifest these gifts. In verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Each one of us is given a measure of faith, as it said, or of grace, of, of, of what we're able to do. It all comes from, from God. And it's nothing we earn. It's something that God has put in us and that we are to recognize, really, and use. He says, and then whether prophecy. He says, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So there's different, you'll see different motivations. And you can actually see that in people that with their gifts, they have certain motiva- motivations that we should have. Or ministry. Let us wait on our ministry. There's a certain patience about ministry. He, or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. So sometimes we skip over We think some of these gifts are bigger than the other. They're not. They're all needed. They're all important. We need to understand what ours is. And when we get involved in it, we'll be fulfilled in it. He that giveth. I like how this says, let him do it with simplicity. You know, a true good giver has that gift. They, they do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. You ever seen that person? They just got the diligence because they can, they can rule and they can do things. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, verses 9 through 10 deal with our relationships. I've seen, as I looked at this, in, in general. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Abhor it, push it away. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly, affectionate, affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. That's a general thing. That's not, these are things that are not natural to us, folks. I told John the other day, there was a truck driving up on me. I said, it's a good thing I didn't have some guns shooting out the bow. I'd have blown his lights out. He had his big old light flashing, and it's dark out. And the older you get, and the more of these things you get, and there's all these reflections, and you can hardly see in cars coming. Ah! That's not our nature. And even within our group, sometimes we can be kind of harsh toward one another. But saying, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Now, verses 11 through 12 deal with the zeal of a Christian. And if you look at this, you're going to kind of see a progression. It starts with, he says, not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. This is zeal. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. And then the remaining verses, 13 through 21, deal with the particular actions we are to have toward others. A whole list of things here. It gets pretty particular. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints. When you see a brother has a need, <laughs> we're to take care of him. Not to say, be feeling warm and walk away. <laughs> we're to help them out to see that. And then it says, given to hospitality. Hospitality is one of the things 
as uh, if you're called to, uh, to be a bishop, to, to be a church leader, you're to have hospitality. Now, I tell you, I grew up in a home that really, I wouldn't say we were the most hospitable people. Um, I, I look back, and God's had to show me a lot of things around that. I mean, we kind of had our group, you know, and it's, this is where we had. We had, you know, our family and the cousins here, and that was about it, you know. And, you know, it was pretty who, who you kept out, you know, and it was very rigid and lawful in a lot of ways. And there was a lot of good things, okay, that I, I learned through that. But I wouldn't say we were real hospitable. I get to, now Patty's family was more hospitable. <laughs> You go down south there, and, and probably, you know, that's it's a nature. It's like, come on in. You're welcome. But they were also very boisterous, too, like, because I'd come in, and one of her cousins came in and looked at me. You're fat. <laughs> <laughs> just say it straight out, you know. But they were hospitable people, too, you know. Just come on in, eat what you want, sit down. Uh, very interesting. Um, but they were good people. And you know, a lot of times with people, we've got to understand where they came from to appreciate where they are. God did a mighty work in their family's lives. It's, it's amazing. It's something I could be really thankful about. I never thought about it until just recently. But, you know, just, just the things that have happened in the family, salvations, and um, just the, the working of God in lives, it's amazing. I mean, it just doesn't happen overnight you don't become this uh, great Christian family overnight I mean it takes work and then, and then through generations and, and, and I pray that this church is a part of creating future generations that are closer and closer uh, to God bless them which which persecute you oh boy bless and curse not rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. We're together in these things, is, is what it's saying. And we need to, you know, nobody's, we don't send anybody out on an island, you know, and somebody's having a difficult time. We, it's difficult, we enter into the difficulty with them. And when they rejoice, we don't say, they were lucky, <laughs> you know, and get a jealous spirit, but rejoice, you know, with them. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things. It says, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. I tell you what, spend some time with the down and out and the, and the poor. And I think you'll find yourself becoming more what you ought to be. And to seeing people and seeing yourself for who you are and seeing other people for who they are condescend to men of low estate. Recompense no man evil for evil. That totally goes against us, doesn't it? I mean, we, we <laughs> they did this, then they should get that. That's how we think. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And like I said, I could, I could preach on that one all day long about what that's about. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. We ought to see peace. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. 
Therefore, here's a therefore. We're going to get into the therefore here in a minute. Therefore. (laughs) What's it therefore? What he just said. If thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt keep keep coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, there's some... You'll see some situations of some people, um, missionaries or, or things of where they've really been under some difficult persecution and yet they pray for those who are persecuting them. It's amazing, amazing what God does through that. I mean, this is not our nature, folks. The Christian life is not human nature. It's God's nature. It's that love that... Brother Mike was talking about the it's not our love, it's his love. It's it's amazing. And we just need to to do this. So as you can imagine, we could have stopped and spent hours upon hours preaching on just various sections of this twelfth chapter of Romans. But today I want to expound on the first two verses. So the title of the message is actually going to be something easy for you to remember. In that case, when later on today, someone stops you and says, what was the message about today at church? And you go, oh, (laughs) and you're starting to think, you know how that is, even as a pastor, sometimes I'm like, what did I preach on? (laughs) I panic, you know. (laughs) But the title is to be and not to be. And here is the question. All right, that ought to be easy to remember. Let's pray. Father. As we begin this chapter 12 in Romans, as we look at these first two verses, they're amazing. We need to stop and really look at these two verses. It sets up the rest of the chapter, and they are so important. We memorize this verse, and we can, you know, just say it by heart, but... We need to understand what this verse is really saying. I pray that you would give each of us a real vision of what these first two verses of chapter 12 are saying. And may we glorify you today through the heeding to your word and the humbling to it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 1 tells us what we are to be and to do. It starts with the word beseech. Not a common word that we use today, but probably an easy word for us to understand. The Greek word is parakaleo. It means to call near, to invite, to invoke, To call for, comfort, desire, exhort, entreat, or pray. It is a strong word. 
that Paul attaches beseech to the word therefore. I beseech you therefore. So we must look back for the reason why he is so greatly urging us to be or to do something. So we look back at the last statement of chapter 11 in Romans. Romans 11.33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath first given to Him, and it shall be recompensed unto Him again? For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Romans 11, 33-36 brings us into the great throne room of God. You're coming to, he brought you to the throne. Paul did. I beseech you, therefore. We are in the presence of the Almighty King, but Paul is particular who this is that stands before God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, brethren. This is not the world standing before him in judgment, though they will, it is his children. Those who are the born-again believers in Christ is beloved. And I'll just give it to you harsh. If you're not born again, this has no meaning to you whatsoever. You just need to get saved. Okay? That's it. Then Paul adds something that brings us to humility before His presence. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God. The mercies of God. Though the saved stand, we stand before God as beloved children of God. We are reminded that it is only by God's mercy that we stand there. That we were deserving of hell without Christ, but that we did not get what we deserve. That's where we stand, in the, in the mercies of God. There's, there is no pride whatsoever in true salvation. It's all of Him. It's nothing that we deserve. And someday I'm, I might preach on the problem with, with mankind and this thing that we call sin and, and the deserving of hell and the problems with that. But I'll save that for some other time. Therefore, Paul is commanding the sense of humility before God's throne room. From there, he tells us how to approach God. 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Ye present to offer, to give over to, and hope presented. Your body. What is that? You're everything. Your mind, your soul, your body, everything that you have, he's talking about here to his service. 
and he says a living. He uses the word a living. Your life, the time you have on this earth, that's what you have. That is what you are giving to him. You're everything for this entire life. And he says a sacrifice. This is the, I looked this word up in the, in the Greek and it had a pretty brief definition talking about this is the act or the victim of something to sacrifice. So it could be the act of sacrificing or it could be the sacrifice itself. In the case of Jesus, he presented himself upon the cross and he was the one responsible for the act and he was he was the victim of the act the entire thing he's put he sacrificed himself upon the cross john 10:18 no man taketh it from me but i lay it down of myself i have power to lay it down and i have power to take it again by the way you have that power in, in a sense of what you do with your life. He said, this commandment I have received of my Father, we are all in like manner to freely, like Jesus, in that same aspect, to give our life to be offered as a sacrifice. To be the sacrificer, the giving of it, and be the part of it, the actual sacrifice itself. It's offered by our action. We also must become the victim of such action, whatever that might be. Jesus said, he said it this way when he told the disciples, take up thy cross and follow me. But not just any offering God accepts. If you remember, he had particulars to the offerings and what they were to be and how they were to handle from Genesis all the way through. He had specifics. I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, unto God. Holy. Set apart. That's what that means. Set apart. May I put it this way, completely loyal to his cause. Acceptable. The Greek word you are estos means fully agreeable or well pleasing. May I say pure and clean. Pure and clean before. Want a good reason to come to church clean with your best clothing on? Here's the reason. You are coming before the king. You come before the king. On the inside and represented on the outside. Let me remind you about Joseph when they pulled him out of the prison. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself. And changed his raiment and came unto Pharaoh. This was a man. When someone is tried, they go to court and they've done something wrong. He is a fool who does not clean himself up and dress appropriately for that judge. A foolish thing to do. 
Remember, we're in the throne room of God. Unless we start to think we're really something, Paul concludes, which is your reasonable service. Now we think of reasonable, you know, that's reasonable. Give, give God a part, you know, that's, that's, that's reasonable to do. We kind of think of that term of reason, but it, but it really means what is your logical service. This is just logical. In other words, we might say, this is the least I can do for Christ for what all He has done for me. This is the to be part of the message. May I give you an example of what this looks like? Uh, we watch these series of, of Robin Hood. They're old movies. Now you have King Richard. Now I'm not getting into maybe who King Richard really was or who Prince John was. And, you know, there's Robin Hood. But King Richard is the good king, the honorable, the one worth serving. And, and as I watched this, this just came to my mind with this Scripture, you'll see a part where King Richard comes from the Holy Land, from the, the battles there, and he's, he's kind of disguised and he comes into Robin Hood's presence. And then when Robin Hood, or Little John, they realize it's King Richard. You know what they did? They bow their head. King, my Lord. And they kissed his reign, the authority of his reign. Is that how you look to Jesus? That's what he's saying. This is our reasonable service. Whatever you want, my King, my Lord. I present myself holy, acceptable. Robin Hood represented that which was good, holy, and acceptable, set apart unto the king's work for his life, for whatever it took. That's what we are to be in Romans chapter 12. So we see we are to be what we are to be before God, our king, his majesty. You think about it. We ought to be coming before him every day. Like that. Now we are to see what we are not to be. Romans 12.2 Be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. What is the world? We've talked about this before, but let's keep it simple. Sometimes it's easier to define something by looking at the opposite of it. And Paul gives us that in the next part of that verse. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's a simple definition for the world. Anything that is getting in the way of you renewing your mind that leads you to the fulfillment of God's will for your life and to prove it out. That's the world. Anything but that. Either it's, it's drawing to that or it's drawing away from that. To prove is the Greek word dok im adzo. To test. To prove. To allow. To discern. To examine. To approve. To try. God wants us in the action 
fighting, trusting, learning, proving ourselves as loyal servants to our King. To do the good things, like devotion, the hard work, the family, the church, devotion to the study of God's Word and prayer without ceasing, prayer without ceasing, all resulting in a service to others. We are not to seek the pleasures of this life, but to seek the will of God, setting itself aside for the sake of others. It's a selflessness behavior, not a selfish behavior. Ephesians 4.28, I like the way this is stated. It says, let him that stole steal no more. Before you were saved, you're a thief. You're a flat out thief before you're saved because all you really care about is yourself. You're, the, you're God, that's what it is. It says, let that, him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands so that he can do all the things he wants to do in this life. No, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. You're missing out. That's the joy of Christianity, is to be able to give. So we see what we are to be. We see what we are not to be. Here is the question. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Not sure if a pianist will be coming to play. Romans 11.33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath first given to Him, and it shall be recompensed unto Him again? For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you see yourself bowing before your God in a, in a state of selflessness? Not caring for your life, putting your life in His hands and trusting Him in all things, wherever that may take you, proving God in your life and seeing Him do things? Or are we out in the world playing around away from our King? Serious stuff. Romans chapter 12. Amen. Thank you all for coming and being attentive. I pray the Lord spoke to your heart. Man, what a king we have. 
I like that thought. Bow down to my Lord. Whatever you want me to do, God. Whatever it costs me. That's where we need to be. And we don't need to be out there playing around, fooling around with all the fun little things of the world and get caught out there. It's okay to have some of those things, but may those things bring us to this and the thankfulness and thankfulness and honor. We just want to give more and more to Him. If you're not there, that's where you need to, to grow. Romans chapter 12. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessed word. Just pray you bless each family. Lord, direct us and inspire us through your word to, uh, to serve you with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.